Alright people, happy belated Thanksgiving and welcome to Shorts by Peeps Creek where every other hump Wednesday we bring you stories about crime, love, triumph, and adversity. I'm your host and author, The Saxaheart. You know we call our episodes Shorts, that's short for short story, and all the shorts that you hear on this podcast are fictional, that is, the names, characters, places, and events are the pure product of the author's imagination, that is any resemblance to an actual person dead or alive or actual events are purely coincidental. The short you're about to hear discusses crime, murder, and contains adult language that may be sensitive to some. Listen to discretion is advised. Previously in the argument, when we last left off in this short, we heard about Andre, the lawyer from D.C., who took off of work from his posh Washington, D.C. law firm job to go help Carlos. Andre requested and Carlos agreed to allow Andre to represent him. This was a gamble, given that Andre normally only handles civil litigation. Despite this, Andre was able to obtain an emergency hearing before the very judge who initially denied Carlos's bail. During the hearing, Andre was able to successfully argue that the prosecution failed to meet its burden, assuring that Carlos would be a flight risk to which the judge agreed, and Carlos was able to be placed on bail. You are now entering into Chapter 6, entitled Back in the Saddle. And ladies and gentlemen, this would be the dramatic conclusion of the argument. As Cynthia was getting off the elevator, she heard the office phone ring. She thought about running to answer, but quickly looked at the clock in the center of the foyer, which read 8.45 a.m., and said under her breath, Not today, Satan. We are not open yet. Instead, she casually walked over to her desk and placed her bag down. She went into the cafeteria and then started making coffee for the office. Upon setting the three large coffee containers on, she heard the phone ring again. Damn it! Can a lady get in and get settled before these blasted phones begin ringing? Cynthia said as she walked over towards the receptionist's desk. And the phone just continued ringing as if the person on the other end heard what she said and was saying to her, Lady, I'm not going to stop ringing this phone until somebody picks it up. Law officers of Peg McGroomin and Alero, this is Cynthia speaking. How can I help you? She said half cheery but also half annoyed because it was not 9 a.m. yet. And this moron must not have looked at the office hours before calling the office uncontrollably. On the other end of the line was an unrecognizable voice, but one that appeared to be frantic or delirious. Andre Olivet, please. The office is not yet open. However, Mr. Olivet is currently on assignment outside of the office. Is there a message you would like for me to leave or for me to send to Mr. Olivet? Cynthia asked. The caller breathed heavily and paused and said, do, do you know when he'll return? Cynthia rolled her eyes and stated, Sir, we are not yet open, and I do not have Mr. Olivet's calendar available to me at the moment, but I am able to leave a message for him if you would like. Are you a client of Mr. Olivet's? The caller said, No, um, I'm not, but he and I are old college friends, and I wanted to get his help with the matter. Okay, Cynthia said. Is it a civil or criminal matter? The caller hesitated, but then said, I, I, I believe that it would be a criminal matter, but then again, I'm uncertain. And with whom am I speaking, Cynthia asked. By this time, she had obtained a pen and pad and began taking notes. This is Diedrich McKinnon. 
Okay, Mr. McKinnon, I can certainly have one of our attorneys contact you to discuss the matter and advise you of what, if anything, the firm would be able to do to assist you in the endeavor. Is there a contact number for you or do you prefer to be reached by some other means? Cynthia said as she was prepared to write down the information once relayed to her by the caller. Perhaps I think it's best I only speak to Mr. Olivet, so I would try to reach him later, the caller said. Cynthia shrugged her shoulders and stated, Mr. McKinnon, as I've stated, Mr. Olivet is currently on assignment and he will not be in the office today. I can certainly attempt to reach him and see if he'll be willing to speak with a client. But given the fact that you are not currently a client, it would be best served if someone from our intake unit contact you to discuss the matter. I assure you that each of our attorneys are capable of addressing your needs, so it would be helpful if you provide me with your contact information so that I can pass that information on to someone who will be able to assist you. There was nothing but silence. Hello? Mr. McKinney, how does that sound, Cynthia said. Silence. Little did Cynthia know, the caller actually disconnected the call well before she finished her spiel concerning who would be able to assist them and blah, blah, blah. She looked at the receiver, looked at the clock. It read 8.55. A fucking waste of 10 of my damn minutes, she thought. She put the phone down and said, fucking idiot. Just as Roger was stepping off of the elevator, Roger looked at her with one eyebrow slightly raised. Well, I knew that you didn't like me, but geez, you don't have to let me know first thing in the morning, he said to Cynthia as he laughed. Cynthia blushed. Sorry, Roger. You know I love you. I was actually trying to get things prepared for today when the phone was constantly ringing and the person of Mr. McKinnon insisted on speaking with Andre, despite me telling him that he was not available. But he didn't want to leave his information for any other person to contact him. Just a waste of my time and I was a little annoyed, she said. Roger shrugged his shoulders and said, if it's important or someone important, then he should have Andre's contact information. If he does not, then it's apparent that it's not a big deal. So let's have a great day, Cynthia. Yes, let's, Cynthia said as she got up and walked back to the cafe to continue getting things together for the rest of the day. After disconnecting the phone call with the lady who obviously didn't know crap, Diedrich went to the kitchen and poured him some coffee from his Mr. Coffee machine. He paced back and forth in the kitchen, thinking about who he could call. He can call his mother, but she probably would just tell him about all of the moral options available and that he should pray to the Lord for forgiveness. But Diedrich knew the answer all along. He knew who he had to call. So he picked up the phone, looked in his phone book, and dialed the number for Dr. C. The phone rang and a cherry voice answered, Dr. Cortez's office, this is Samantha, how can I help you? Hi, Samantha. I'm hoping that I can get some time with Dr. Cortez today as I feel like I need to speak to someone about a matter. I am, well, maybe was a patient since I abruptly left our last session and never came back. Okay, and what is your name, sir? Samantha asked. It's Diedrich McKinnon. Oh, Mr. McKinnon. Well, to my knowledge, you're still a patient here, so let me look at my calendar and see what options are available for today, she said. Thank you very much, Dietrich said. Ah, it looks like we have availability at four today. Would that work for you, Mr. McKinnon, Samantha said? Yes, that would be perfect. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to allow me to come in last minute today, Dietrich said. Absolutely. See you a little later today, Mr. McKinnon, Samantha said. They disconnected the call, and Dietrich sat on his couch, turned on the news to pass time until it was time for him to head to Dr. Cortez's office. While he waited, he thought about whether or not he actually had dealt with the issues that caused him to originally go to counseling. 
while he went there out of anger and hurt, he realized that ultimately he permitted these individuals in his life whom were not worthy of his time and energy and effort. He also realized that he approached his relationships from the perspective that people can change, which ultimately is true. But sometimes people's changes were not conducive to his individual needs and or growth. And walking away from situations that are toxic was a necessity for him. He realized possibly a little too late that when you constantly allow folks to enter and exit your life, you're like a revolving door. You sell yourself short. You dishonor your ancestor. You dishonor who God has created. And you dishonor your sanity. Diedrich sat, thought more, and drank his coffee. Soon, it was time for him to leave for his appointment. Driving to Dr. Cortez's office felt no different than it had before. The only noticeable difference he felt was that he was not as anxious. He was looking forward to this conversation. And he was hoping that Dr. Cortez was not upset with him for the way he left the last session. Instead, Deidre was hoping deep down that the doctor would be proud of his growth. Proud of the fact that he confronted his demons and addressed them head on. Proud that he did not allow his past to dictate his future. Well, sort of, but still. He arrived at the doctor's office around 3.48 p.m. He got out of his vehicle, took the elevator to the doctor's suite, and walked in. But this time, he noticed that he walked in not as if he was walking the last mile like on Stephen King's The Green Mile. But instead, he walked in with an air of victory, an air of confidence, something that he lacked before. Upon entering the lobby, he immediately noticed the overly chipper receptionist at the front desk. But unlike last time, her happiness did not make him recoil. She spoke to him, welcomed him back, asked what drink he was interested in, and then advised him that the doctor was waiting for him in the office. Once in Dr. Cortez's office, the doctor invited him in, told him to sit down, and they began their session. So what can I do for you, Di? Dr. Cortez asked. Well, first of all, thank you for taking the time to actually speak with me, Di began. Also, I want to apologize for leaving so abruptly last time and not being able to manage the triggers that caused my anger to rise. Dr. Cortez looked at Di compassionately and said, that's okay, Di. It's a step that you recognize what triggers cause you to react negatively. And by knowing that, you are a step closer to controlling the triggers before they escalate and take over. Yes, Di said, that is what I am hoping to be able to accomplish, and I think I've finally turned the leaf necessary to do so. Oh, really? That is great, Di. So the last time that you were here, you were telling me about a phone call you received from a previous friend who actually slept with your ex-fiance, and I, be I believe his name was Chris, is that right? Yes, that's right, Di said. And that triggered an emotional reaction for you to the point that you left the office. Do I have that correct? Dr. Cortez asked, I. Yes, that is accurate. And that is where I want to continue, Di said. Absolutely, Dr. Cortez said, as he crossed his legs, brought his manila folder that housed all his documentation relating to his sessions with Di to his lap, and had the pen perch on the paper, waiting to jot down additional session notes. Well, uh, after I left here the last time, I had time to think about how I'm still allowing my failed relationships to dictate who I am. I'm still allowing individuals permission to walk in and out of my life at their choosing. And like an idiot, I just rolled out the red carpet, permitting them direct access to my life. I finally talked to Chris. Um, 
and, and true to form, he attempted to make his portrayal about my ex and how I should be upset with her and not him. He went on basically to tell me that I should just get over it, I said. So, Chris is basically devaluing your experience, Dr. Cortez added. Yes, exactly. It felt like a slap in the face to me, just another opportunity for him to say, fuck you. So approximately two weeks after I spoke with Chris, I decided to take a trip. I flew to New Mexico, the land of enchantment. When I arrived, the dry heat and beautiful brown landscape was a breath of fresh air. And ultimately, I decided to visit Chris in person. It was a well-needed meeting, Di said. Well, that is good, Di. You were able to confront your past in person. An excellent way to deal with your triggers. And how did Chris take your visit? Dr. Cortez asked, interested in Di's answer. Well, he was surprised to say the least. In fact, his entire family was surprised, Di said nonchalantly. I bet, Dr. Cortez added. And so Di continued. And so when I arrived at the home, I didn't knock because the door was unlocked. So I came to the door, took out my little friend, the silencer, and took care of the father while he sat in the rocking chair looking at some stupid ass TV show. He didn't know what hit him. It was a great shot. I picked up the fireplace poker, took out the old hag with one good swing at her head. She failed immediately and didn't even have time to make a sound. I don't even think she knew what was going on before she crumbled to the floor. I then went to the back room and found the sister. She was standing in front of the bed listening to some loud, stupid-ass music and putting on her sports bra when I came behind her and slit her throat from ear to ear. The blood that rushed out of the wound was like a waterfall. When she went down, I grabbed her and held her so tightly out of excitement, I just didn't know what came over me. But I knew that my main responsibility was to take care of that fat fuck Chris. So I walked out of the room, walked towards where I heard Chris yelling as if he was playing Madden or something. Needless to say, he didn't hear me coming. I walked right in, emptied the remainder of my bullets into his stinking ass, then took his corpse, placed it in the middle of the room, took my knife, and something kept telling my arms to go in and out and in and out. And so I did that. And I don't even know how many thrusts I made with the knife, but I know that my arm muscles were tired. And at the end, I took my knife and I cut off his fucking balls. When Dai finished, he noticed that Dr. Cortez looked at him wide-eyed, clearly out of words to say, clearly unable to determine if this was accurate or just something made up in Dai's head. But to Dai, it didn't matter. He felt relieved. He felt a burden lift from his shoulders. He felt good. What, what's wrong, Doc? I, I'm liberated and you should feel good. I did what you said. You told me to confront my past and I confronted my past and I ultimately accomplished something that you were trying to get me to understand for some time. Dr. Cortez just looked, said nothing. So Di continued. And you don't have to worry, Doc. I, I don't have any desire to hurt anyone or myself. So we're good here. But I do appreciate you taking the time to listen to me. I needed this time. I needed someone to just be able to allow me to release the demon that I had inside of me. And you helped me do that. Died sad as he got up. He started wrestling. Walked out of the office. Walked into the lobby. Told the receptionist to have a great day. 
Dr. Cortez, on the other hand, looked as if he had seen a ghost. And he knew that he could not disclose this information because it did not appear there was a pending threat, one in which he would be within his right to disclose in order to avoid that particular disaster. He was simply flabbergasted. He actually just heard the details of a quadruple murder. out there in podcast Lendia. This is a wrap for the first season of Shorts by Pips Creek, where we tell original stories dedicated to crime, love, triumph, and adversity. We appreciate you listening and look forward to coming back for a second season of original storytelling in the near future. In the meantime, you can slide into my DMs on Instagram at Busaxahar or leave a voice or text message at 202-618-0043 or visit the website at pipscreek.com. That is spelled P-E-E-P-S-C-R-E-E-K. The theme music was created by Crazy Drake out of Detroit, Michigan for Blazing Heat Music. And again, happy belated Thanksgiving. And here at Shorts, we would not be here for the Christmas holiday. So we want to say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and all those other things out there. Be sure to look out for our other podcast, Peeps Creek, The Cafe, formerly known as the Double Tundra Podcast. It's a variety show podcast that brings current and controversial conversations ranging from just shooting the breeze with your friends to politics. Until then, remember here at Peeps Creek Cafe, we will continue to listen, drink, create, and converse. Peace and love.